and welcome to the latest edition of the Aon Pensions Podcast Retirement Market Update. I'm your host, Victoria Panormo. I have some pensions news for you, and then I'll be joined by Aon's Nick Brinton to discuss professional trusteeship and today's landscape. To the news, pensions dashboard. The Money and Pensions Service, MAPS, has appointed Chris Curry as principal of the Pensions Dashboard Industry Delivery Group. We mentioned in a previous podcast that DWP had confirmed that multiple dashboards will be introduced, with the first one expected in 2019, developed by MAPS. Curry, who is director of the PPI and co-chaired the DWP's AE review in 2017, will establish the delivery group which is formed of stakeholders from across the pensions sector. The group will work to develop the data standards and other criteria that any pensions dashboard will need to meet. The body will be first to host the pensions dashboard when it launches in its non-commercial form, which is expected to be later this year. New SIP regulations. Without consultation, the DWP has published new regulations that amend trustees' investment duties starting from October 2020. Published on the 6th of June 2019, the legislation implements EU directives aimed at encouragement of long-term shareholder engagement. The changes also impact on the disclosure of investment policies for all schemes. The SIP is to set out trustee policies on arrangements with asset managers, including incentives to make decisions based on medium and long-term performance, and how evaluation and remuneration of asset managers aligns with trustees' investment policies. Schemes will need to disclose this information online if they're not already and also produce an engagement policy implementation statement each year. Expanded requirements apply to both DC and DB schemes. This all comes in addition to the changes introduced last year related to responsible investment and stewardship. Responsible investment is a huge topic at the moment, with the pensions minister calling it a game changer. In particular, the UK pension market faces increased pressures from the government and others to tackle climate change. Aon recently held a webinar on climate change. The takeaways were define the trustees' beliefs in relation to climate change and its risks, assessing the risks and consider the potential impact on assets and funding levels, consider ESG as part of the scheme's IRM framework. HMRC Fixed Protection HMRC has withdrawn an appeal in a key court case which could see savers who accidentally breached their lifetime allowance fixed protection terms spared from significant tax bills. The case was against one individual who'd failed to cancel his direct debit to his pension scheme. This should have voided his £1.8 million lifetime allowance fixed protection, even though the breach was accidental. He had four pension schemes, and although he understood he couldn't contribute more to his main pension scheme, he didn't realise he had to stop payments into his other schemes as well. The individual could have been left with a six-figure tax bill. So what does this mean going forwards? Those who make a similar genuine error in relation to their lifetime allowance could be handed a lifeline. Anyone who has accidentally breached their fixed protection in error now has a strong case to argue against HMRC. TPR default strategies. Trustees are being scrutinised by TPR in a new bid to ensure they are meeting their legal obligations and properly governing default arrangements. It's no surprise that TPR are lifting the bonnet on default investment governance as 95% of members of trust-based DC schemes are invested in the default arrangement. More than 500 DC schemes with less than 1,000 members have been contacted as part of a pilot. 
Trustees have been asked to review guidance which outlines TPR's expectations. They are then asked to confirm if the strategy and performance of their scheme's default arrangements have recently been reviewed and remain suitable by completing a simple online declaration form. Initial indications show positive trustee engagement with the pilot. The move is part of TPR's ongoing work to protect savers and ensure workplace pensions work. By law, a pension scheme's default strategy must be reviewed every three years or when there's a significant change. However, following the pilot, we may see further requirements enforced. Cyber. Just one year since the introduction of GDPR, PASA has announced it's launching new guidance on cybersecurity. Some say it was in response to us covering cyber on our last podcast. Okay, well, no one's really saying that. The guidance outlines how trustees can formulate an effective review of their cybersecurity protocols. The guidance is supported by the regulator's statement that trustees need to take active steps to protect members and assets against cyber risk. The review should be completed on a proportionate basis and a number of key areas require careful consideration. Rolls-Royce continues to turn heads, this time in the pensions world. The trustee of the Rolls-Royce UK Pension Fund made a partial buyout in excess of £4.6 billion with LNG, the largest ever bulk annuity transaction with Aon Advising. The pension fund stands at £13 billion with 76,000 members. The buyout covers around 33,000 members. Securing a buyout of this size requires very careful consideration for the security of the benefits for both members included in the buyout and those who remain in the fund. Following many years of careful management of the funding position, the trustees were willing to explore bold solutions with a keen focus on member security. On this very podcast, I spoke to Karen Gainsford and Ben Harris from Aon's risk settlement team in April, who outlined just how busy the settlement market was. The size of the transaction further underlines the appetite of the insurance market, and we expect to see a number of large-scale deals during the second half of 2019. If you'd like more information on any of these areas, I'll include contact details at the end. Don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast series through your smartphone via iTunes or Spotify, so you'll never miss an episode. Okay, to the interview part of the podcast. With continuing demands created by changes in pensions legislation, it's perhaps no surprise we're seeing an increased demand for professional trustee services. We're very lucky to have Aon's Nick Brinton with us today to discuss professional trusteeship and changes that are afoot. Welcome, Nick. Morning, Victoria. Thank you for having me today. Nick, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners and telling them a little bit about, more about your role here at Aon? I'd be delighted to. So my role is to look after the relationships with professional trustees across the retirement and the investment piece. So, so generally, there's two objectives that I try and achieve. The firstly is that our existing pension trustees, where a professional trustee is active, is fully aware of Aon and understands that it's not just their immediate support team that they're clued into. And secondly, it's to look at obviously the new business opportunities that come through where there is a professional trustee, thus ensuring that they know exactly what Aon offer. So it's about that awareness piece. Can you tell us a little bit about the professional trustee landscape? Only in the last 30 years that we really see a increase in importance. And the main catalyst for that was obviously in 1991, the Robert Maxwell scandal uh, and the Mirror Group, where for the first time, a, a huge amount of funds were taken to support 
a business from the pension fund. This also around this time came in with a bit of legislation which for the first time appointed professional trustees or independent trustees as they're then called onto insolvent employers of, of pension schemes. So the main legislation that came about from that was the 1995 Pensions Act, which for the first time gave a clear and concise articulation of, of how pensions should be run. We then moved forward a bit to 2010-2011 when we saw another catalyst, and that was the GB Noble fraud. For those who are not aware, this was a trustee firm defrauded about 32 funds out of around 52 million. And again, that was a catalyst that saw more recent legislation, in particular the 2016 21st Century Trusteeship Guide by the Pension Regulator. Now, what this was, was a clear 10 key points that should be used when managing a, a pension scheme. And then more recently, we've seen the 2018 GDPR and 2018 Pension Accreditation and Standards being published for professional trustees. So what, what the outcome of that legislation results in, if you were to Google the number of professional trustees, you would come up with a stat which would probably be 200 professional trustees and 800 independent trustees. Do you want to just cover what the difference is between independent and professional? Good question, Victoria. So the difference between a professional trustee and an independent trustee is a professional trustee would be considered to include any person, whether or not incorporated, who acts as a trustee of the scheme in the course of being a trustee. They, however, wouldn't usually consider a remunerated trustee to be acting as a trustee of the scheme in the course of the business if, being a trustee, they were a member of that pension scheme or had been a member of that pension scheme in the past or employed by a director or participated in that pension scheme. So that's basically the definition of professional. Can you tell me about sole trustees then? Definitely. So we really have seen an increase in the demand for, for sole trustee over, I'd say, the last two years. In fact, from talking to the firms out there, they would argue that probably one in two new professional trustee bits of business coming through is from that of a sole trustee. And around a third of their books, on average, would be sole trustee-led. And when we say sole trustee, we mean one sole company that looks after that trustee, the, the board of the firm. So you, you've done away with member-nominated and employee-nominated trustees. And, and the catalyst for that is very much threefold. So firstly, uh, member-nominated and employee-nominated trustees have become harder to recruit. As we know, most of us in, in, in this room no longer have a DB pension plan. So it's difficult for employers to, to ask people to step up and volunteer their services. The second thing is complexity. The, the industry has become quite complex moving, uh, moving forward, and that's hence why we have you know, our colleagues here at a and the other consultants providing that, that, that advice. And then the final thing would be basically the, the, the need of companies to get to, to that end game. How many schemes are there in the UK at the moment? In the UK, there's 5,450 schemes out there. But, but what is very interesting is if you look at that figure back in 2006, it was around 7,800. So there's been a large amount of schemes getting to that end game, i.e. buy-in, buy-out, which would make up about 6% of the market, 
and also consolidation of schemes. And also the final point is obviously the consolidators that are coming more and more to the market, which was obviously the subject of one of your previous podcasts. Nice to know you're listening. I certainly am. <laughs> so it's for those, those are the three main catalysts that we're seeing uh, for the increase in, in sole trustee uh, out there. Interestingly, um, the, the TPR and the latest guidance notes are quite clear on sole trusteeship. In fact, the third schedule is specifically to sole trustee. And what the TPR are looking for is that a sole trustee has to have that backing of a, a, a corporation to be able to facilitate that business. Okay, from the professional trustee perspective, you mentioned accreditation earlier on. How's that going down in the industry? Excellent question. And actually a question that I was pre-briefed on. So I spoke to Andrew Bradshaw yesterday, who is the chair of the Association of Professional Trustee Working Group and also a board member of the Association of Professional Trustees. And here's, here's, what, here's what he had to say on the matter. Yeah, so we uh, published the standards in February and that was after a good couple of years actually of consultation and, and taking on board people's views. So the response has been very positive. I think we've had uh, we've had you know very few negative comments. I think professional trustees um, accepted that we needed some standards, and uh, they seem pretty comfortable with them. Um, so that's the first stage. Um, the standards are out, and um, trustees will be expected to meet those. But to accompany the standards, we've got the accreditation process, which is being worked on at the moment by the PMI and the ABPC Council, and that's taking a bit of time. Um, we'd hoped we'd be able to launch that in the summer, but it looks like that's probably going to be later this year now. Yeah, so from from that sort of minute from Andrew, we very much get the impression that the standards have been taken on, on board uh, and there's a certain amount of agreement to the standards. The accreditation still needs some fine-tuning uh, and that seems to be coming from more that you know, sort of soft, softer skills need to be clarified a bit more. But generally, the industry sees it as a good step forward. And that would be what I'm also hearing from, from other professional trustee firms as well, that it's a step in the, in the right direction. Clarity, though, will be needed. Okay, so in conclusion then, how is the industry adapting to the change? So as, as already said, you know, the, the numbers have already started to come down. So we, we now, as I said, have around 600 professional uh, trustees in the in the United Kingdom, there is a, a much bigger push, as well as we've already covered, towards sole trustee. Um, and we've already discussed how the TPI is, is slightly cautious about that because it really does want that diversity that comes with with a fuller board. Now, moving forward, there is a hint that a number of boards should now be appointing professional trustees uh, as mandatory for the simple reason that the businesses are becoming more complex. And also, there is a clear need to get to that that end game, which sometimes can help when you've got that professional trustee on board. Now, the difficulty for that, obviously, is that out of those 5,450 schemes, around 3,800 would have under probably 50 million of assets. So you go to those guys and maybe 5, 10 million and say, you know, we want you to, to now employ a professional trustee, there are inherent concerns in doing that from a cost perspective. Let's look at it from a different perspective then. So our listeners are a number of trustees, sponsors. Let's say they've got a scheme where they don't have a professional trustee at the moment on the board. What do we do for those schemes that think they're doing a good job as they are? And look, I don't think there is any 
right or wrong answers to this. There is definitely, as we said, the more schemes are moving towards a professional trustee. But one thing we must be cognizant of is every scheme has its particular needs, wants, uh, and requirements. Therefore, I think actually the question is a bit deeper, and that's what does the scheme particularly want from its governance perspective? Only once do you answer what it needs and where it needs to go, do you then start to look at professional trustee and how they can help you. Uh, so I think it's a much bigger question that, that needs to be asked, and that's what's your scheme looking to do over the medium to long term? I think too quickly schemes look at the short term, knee-jerk reaction, we need to sort this problem out, what do we do? Uh, and where we need to be get to is that longer term thinking on schemes. So I think that's all that's left for today is to thank you for coming in. So thank you. Thank you. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the latest edition of the Aeon Pensions podcast with me, Victoria Panormo, and my guest, Nick Brinton. If you'd like more information on our retirement solutions, you can contact me on victoria.panormo at aon.com. Otherwise, please visit our website or email talktous at aon.com. <laughs>